I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. So, dear listener, this is a podcast that I'm making kind of spontaneously. I'm sitting on my favorite bench overlooking the vast Pacific, and it's probably 4 p.m. in the afternoon, and the sky is a kind of light gray with hints of blue. It's been a hot day here in the Southern Hemisphere, and that is, from my taste, you know, very wonderful. We've had lots and lots of rain, but this weekend has been really quite sunny and just beautiful blue sky and the warmth of the sun shining through. But the sun does get really hot and people are seem to find it possible to stay out in the sunshine, that bright yellow sun for hours on end, which is something I can't do. I like the warmth and I also enjoy these kinds of parts of the day where the clouds might come over a little bit and just just reduce the intensity of that sun. You still have the warmth, but you don't have that scorching sun. So that's what's that's what it is right now. And uh, but this is a podcast that I'm going to make about something that I've been thinking a lot about. And and just to say that what I find interesting is, and I wonder if you have the same experience, is that sometimes the right thing comes along at the moment when you need it. And you may not have even anticipated its arrival. You may not have even understood that you needed that particular message or that particular clue or that particular thing. But there you are. It suddenly arises. You suddenly find yourself reading something or being aware, becoming aware of something. And it turns out to be the perfect thing. So in and amidst my own healing, my own recovery from many years of difficulties and tribulations, I might say. I've pursued various modalities and methods of healing, yoga, and I'll always remember watching James Taylor on TV, and he also went through a lot in his life, and he said, you know, I would just row around the lake that I lived on. I would just row and row and row and row and row and row. And I would scour what he said. He said, I would scour the devil out of me. That was how he put it. He had, he had really had a very tough time with drugs and so on, which I'm blessed to have not had in my life. But nonetheless, I do find that that sense of being in space and sense of being in nature and of being physically active and of having these sorts of wonderful ways to, to exert physically, you know, the body and so on and the, and the heart, literally, physically, helps to, you know, helps to heal, helps to move things forward. So one of the things that I found that was very helpful was the work of a woman who happens to be Australian named Melanie Tanya Evans. And she has this notion that she calls self-partnering. Now, I don't know if that's her idea, I think it's probably a general idea, but she picks up on it in a way where she's making it the focus of her work and of her method of healing and of, of uh, you know, what she brings to people. And I love that 
sort of notion of self-partnering because it's so easy to run and run and run in life and to be driven by things that aren't even conscious and especially if one's been through a lot there are these underlying fears and anxieties and so on and so we lose ourselves you know I think I've lost myself in some way in all of that even though I have my work I have my beautiful teaching I have my beautiful wonderful experiences of playing music and of writing and so on all of those things have I must say kept me in a very important way tethered to myself but there's something even sort of more consistent deeper more pervasive a, more, a sense that one can go through one's days and one one's hours connected to oneself and she's talks about this notion of self-partnering, which I really like. And even when I say that, something in me begins to feel relaxed, the sense of self-partnering, of not abandoning oneself, of not forgetting oneself, but actually coming back to oneself. So that's something that has been really helpful to me. And when I find that I'm kind of losing my way. I'll just remember that notion of what it means to self-partner, means to feel that I am a friend to myself. Let's put it that way, that I have not abandoned myself, I've not forgotten myself, that I come back to being a friend of myself, of my experience, and that even when those experiences are difficult, I don't run from myself. You know, so I embrace what's happening within me. It's a beautiful thing. So the second thing that I've come across, and this was more recently, was the work of a man named David Bedrick. Now, I find his work to be absolutely... Um, I would almost say that what he's come to is something like a unified field theory. Einstein... Albert Einstein was endeavoring to come up with a unified field theory. In other words, something that was the common denominator of all physical phenomena. If I've got this right, and I might have some of this, I don't know. But anyway, if I've got this right, he was looking for a unified field theory. Something which somehow was like, as I said, the common denominator of all of what happens. You know, it was... It was the, the principle that held within it all phenomena, all of what happens in the universe. And when I came upon the work of David Bedrick, I found myself really intrigued because what he has targeted, what he, has fo what he is focusing on is, I'm just going to let this plane go by. So there's this plane going by, and it's a pontoon plane. Now, I love these planes. I love seeing them because there's whenever I see them, I feel that they're a kind of symbol or emblem of freedom. And that's because, if I think about it, these planes, which are seaplanes, they're pontoon planes, which means that they can basically land on the water. And if I think about that, I think that's an incredible thing because if you can land on the water, if a plane can land on the water, it can land almost really anywhere. I mean, given the right, I guess, conditions. So there's something about seeing these pontoon planes that for me 
are em- they're emblematic of a kind of freedom. And I, they go by and they go by and, and they always remind me of that feeling. So it just went by. So getting back to this notion of shame, which this psychologist named David Bedrick is has been focusing on in his work and he's created videos and he's created um, you know books and he counsels and he does various things he does counseling and he focuses on what it means to understand the notion of shame and how it plays a role in almost all aspects of the human experience and it's almost like as I'm understanding this it's almost like shame as he's defining it and I'll speak more about what I think he means is almost like the the background operating system of the human experience and people have it to lesser or greater extents but it seems that it's so pervasive that it would be more the unusual person who wasn't in a sense suffering from this than than not so what is shame? So this is how he describes it. I think it's really profound. So he talks about shame as what happens when a person, let's say a child, a person at what any at any age, but let's say a child or older, um, really at any age, experiences something that is difficult, something that may be traumatic, something that may be extremely traumatic. And that experience is not acknowledged by anyone outside of that person. So if you think about how much, for example, a child goes through and how so many children experience tremendous trauma, you know, in my own life I've experienced levels of trauma. You know, there's some children who have it much worse than I have it, have had it, but nonetheless there was a lot of it. And... There was never anyone who, who came to me and said, tell me what you're feeling. You know, what were you going through? Look at what happened. Look at what this person did to you. Tell me about how are you doing? How are you doing? Something happened to you. How are you doing? What, look at what happened. Look at what happened. And what's beautiful about what David Bedrick is doing is he's bringing back the original... I'm just going to say the original sin. That's just what came to my mind. The original instance, event, occurrence that impacted oneself. And by bringing that back to the original cause of whatever it is that one's experiencing, whether that's anxiety, fear, physical maladies, fatigue, so many different things, you know, compulsions, uh, you name it. You know, so much of what we feel and do and so much of what happens to as people grow into their adulthood and they begin to compensate their lives become shaped by the things that happened to them early on so what David Bedrick is talking about is he's talking about this kind of shame almost like a sort of hovering state of mind that occurs for a person because it was never acknowledged what actually happened. This has confirmed for me something that has been an intimation, a been a sense of kind of almost a strong conviction, frankly, that this way of beginning to see things is so important. 
I looked online today, uh, CNN. I'm in Australia. I looked online today, CNN, with homepage headlines. has to do with the abuse of children in a place in Australia called Ballarat. Now, that place is where Cardinal George Pell, who was just convicted of child abuse, child sexual abuse, came from. And what has been uncovered progressively over a period of time leading up to the conviction of Cardinal Pell, right, is that the extent of child sexual abuse in that town was off the charts, off the charts. And the number of people boys who grew into men or teens into men who committed suicide because of what they experienced as a young child is horrific. The numbers are horrific. The reason, I think, is both because what happened and because there was never any recourse for those people to come forward and have their stories heard for people to begin to look and see and say, oh my God, oh my God. So for years and decades, those children who then grew into teens and adults held this terrible secret within themselves. And the shame that surrounded them, that's the sense of it and the and the feeling of hopelessness led them to take their lives so this for me is not an easy podcast to make but it's something that I've really been thinking about and I think to myself that when you start to realize how important it is for the truth you know Jesus said the truth will set you free boy it is true (laughs) the truth will set any of us free it will set any of us free and when things happen and those things are damaging and destructive physically emotionally psychologically they're destructive to us When that can begin to come out into the light of day as it is in its total reality, then a person can then begin to actually heal. And that the way that that can begin to come out is through somebody just listening, you know, someone just listening to you and to say, what happened? You tell me what happened. Listening. A friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, just sent me a link to a video that was about something in the Aboriginal culture called Dadiri. And what that means is it has to do with the tradition of simply listening, the power and tradition and practice of listening. You know, we had the truth and reconciliation movement in South Africa and Africa, you know, where people basically stopped and sat with each other and heard what happened. The truth will set us free. It sets us free. So I make this podcast really with that in mind in appreciation for David Bedrick's work because I felt like I came to it at kind of the perfect moment and I've been blessed in my life to find things at the perfect moment. You know, I'm standing here, the sea is coming to me, the waves are coming towards me. I think, oh my gosh, I'm so blessed to be here. And there's so many different blessings that have happened. And this is a latest blessing to understand what it really means to begin to come home to oneself, to realize 
that whatever it is that one's experiencing does not make one bad. It does not make one wrong. These things, these feelings that we have are the result of something. There's cause and effect. Life makes sense. Life makes sense. So I really leave you with that, dear listener, and I hope this is, you know, of some kind of help. I'm posting links with this in case it's these are things that you might feel helpful. But I can honestly say that even as I talk with you, even as, as I describe what it is that I'm beginning to understand, and I thank those people who were pioneering this work, you know, I thank those people whom I've encountered mostly online, really, you know, but also dear friends. Whenever there's a listening ear, it changes us. It restores us and returns us to who we actually are. And there is no such thing as pathologizing pathology in that sense. You know, there's simply cause and effect. And the truth of that will set us free. It really will. The truth of that will set us free. So thank you for listening. And my warm, warm wishes to you. Bless you. Bless you.